0: This podcast is brought to you by SecureFrame.com, the platform for automated compliance. SecureFrame makes it quick and easy to achieve a number of compliance measures in a matter of weeks rather than who knows how long. For those that have dealt with compliance before, you know that it's overwhelming to say the least. Creating policies from scratch, manually collecting loads of screenshot evidence, ensuring employee compliance, and keeping track of hundreds of vendors and documents. Sounds fun, right? (laughs) Thankfully, our friends at SecureFrame have simplified the entire process to save your team months of time and effort. SecureFrame automates hundreds of manual tasks. They streamline evidence collection through over 100 deep integrations with your cloud providers, HR tools, dev tools, and more. They provide you with over 40 auditor-approved policies and give you step-by-step guidance from in-house compliance experts. If this sounds like something you want to learn more about, go to secureframe.com to schedule a personalized demo today.
1: Millions of people move to the U.S. every year. And when you first arrive, you have to start over. You have to get a bank account, a credit card, an auto loan, all those things. All those enterprises need to check your U.S. credit history to get you approved. But by having just arrived in this country, you don't have any information. And so you get rejected or have to resort to second-class products and services like secured cards or asking your, like, fifth uncle to co-sign your apartment lease. So we solved that problem. And the way that we do it is we've gone around the world. So we can now access about one and a half billion credit files all around the world and anytime one of those people moves from one country to another or moves to the United States we are able to pull their history from their home country and use that to help them get approved.
0: Hi, everyone. It's Julie Verhage Greenberg here with your FinTech Today podcast, where we talk about the latest trends in FinTech and interview the industry's movers and shakers. In this episode, I am joined by Misha Asapov, co-founder and CEO of Nova Credit, which is disrupting the credit space for immigrants in the United States. Misha, I remember... What was it, like two, three, maybe four years ago at this point that we met at Bank of America, actually, because you were in an accelerator program where the, the final round where you guys were presenting and everything took place at their office in New York City.
1: That's right. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Of course. Of course. So since then, a lot has changed. I remember at the time talking to you and thinking, wow, like this is a super interesting space because at the time i was actually dating a person that had no credit history because they were from the uk and they were living in the us i was like this is so applicable to what he's going through right now um talk us through a little bit about what what's going on in the space these days and how how things have been going since then
1: yeah so for those of you that don't know um yeah nova credit has been around for about uh, five six years now Uh, The problem that we solve is one of financial identity mobility, so millions of people move to the U.S. uh, every year, uh, and when you first arrive, you have to start over. You have to get a bank account, a credit card, an auto loan, a student loan, an apartment lease, a cell phone plan, all those things, and all those uh, enterprises need to check your U.S. Bureau, your U.S. credit history, to get you approved But uh, by having just arrived in this country. uh, You don't have any information uh, here, and so you get rejected or have to resort to you know, second class type uh, type, types of products and services like secured cards or, uh, you know, asking your like fifth uncle to co-sign your apartment lease or something (laughs) like that. And uh, so we solved that problem. um, And the way that we do it is we've gone around the world and we've uh, aggregated the uh, global credit bureau space. And so uh, we can now access about one and a half billion uh, credit files uh, all around the world. And anytime one of those people um, moves from one country to another or moves to the United States we are able to pull their history from their home country and use that to uh, to help them get approved.
0: So since I met you what what has changed in this space more broadly like what does your attraction look like and I know you guys aren't the only players in this space this time either there, there's been other developments other competitors popping up so how has the landscape changed for you since what was it was like 2016-2017?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'd say we we don't have any direct competitors still, like we're we're the only ones who really approach this problem uh, at a systemic level, where we're solving the information gap, um, where, you know, millions of people come here every year, those people account for the majority of US population growth, meaning there's more folks who move to the US every year than there are Americans who, who turn 18. And the question is, like, of all the products and services that they need, since they do have to fully... You know, uh, you know, reestablish themselves. Uh, which of them are they going to get from, you know, the uh, neobanks versus from the incumbents? And uh, in our view, like it doesn't matter to us. What we care about is that. There is systemic availability of financial services for this population of people as if they were still in their home country, or as if they'd lived in the United States their entire life. And so we, we power a lot of the, those upstarts and, and neobanks that are focused on the immigrant segment. We help provide them with data. We also work with some of the largest financial institutions in the world, like American Express and, and other, other players like that, uh, to help the segment get cards, help the segment get student loans, help them get auto loans, help them get uh, personal loans, help them get cell uh, phone plans, uh, and more.
0: Why do you think that you guys are still the only one that's directly doing this? That, like you mentioned, there's some that are like doing it in different dynamics, but why do you think someone else hasn't tried to do the, the same formula that you guys are?
1: It's too hard. <laughs> to, <laughs> what to makes it hard? Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if, if you think about what, what we've had to do, like we've literally flown around the world, met with regulators, no. met with credit bureaus in you know a couple, few dozen countries at this point, uh, set up partnerships, set up integrations. We've come to the U S you get that data here. We have to be a CRA, which, you know, almost every FinTech under the sun avoids becoming a CRA at all as at all costs credit reporting agency. Uh, we've taken that on from the very beginning. We have been a CRA for five years. Uh, and then only then do you have to start selling to banks And selling to banks, as uh, any of your uh, B2B FinTech listeners can relate, (laughs) is a nightmare. It's really hard and takes many years and a long time. And so, you know, just getting a business like this off the ground to get to some meaningful revenue is a, you know, four or five, six year journey. And for, for whatever reasons, we're kind of the only ones in the space who've really taken this approach. It it has its pros and cons, but uh, at the end of the day, we believe that what we have built is absolutely enduring and, and will be part of the financial fabric of the world's uh, financial
0: system. Talking to Misha when he was thinking about this idea, would you still tell him to go forward with this, even though now you know how hard it actually is to do it? Or like what sort of advice would you have for Misha six years ago?
1: Um. I'd say I wouldn't tell him the truth, you know, like I wouldn't tell him <laughs> how, how hard uh, it, it, it can be and will be, and I wouldn't tell him that there will be a pandemic that'll put you into a tailspin for a few quarters. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean starting a business is as anyone who, who has will, will, will tell you, as you have, it's like it is a roller coaster, uh, and you gotta you gotta be in it for the ride, uh, because it is a life a ride of a lifetime. But like the the challenges of breaking through you know, long partner sales cycles and, and, and regulatory challenges and hiring engineer, like all sorts of challenges that any business has to deal with. This one is particularly complex because we sit in between two incredibly slow moving uh, and large and bureaucratic uh, types of companies, the credit bureaus on one side, the banks on the other. Um, but at the end of the day, like that is, I believe, the right answer for the next hundred years. Uh, and that's you know, that is that is what we have built.
0: You, you gave me an amazing segue and you didn't even know it in that one. Um, I wanted to talk about the pandemic with you because you guys did have to do quite a bit of, um, I don't know if pivoting is the right word, but you went through a lot in 2020, not just from like, a, uh, I'm sure many of your employees dealt with COVID from like a personal level, but from a company level as well, a lot happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our flagship product, so the, the credit passport um, is... Uh, you know, it, it's powered by the movement of people uh, all around the world. And for the first time in 100 years with COVID, that movement of people went to zero for mm. about six months. And so we saw, you know, volumes collapse, uh, all the momentum in the business, all our pipeline kind of fall apart. And it was like, it was a pretty dark period there. And had we not just uh, just closed a $50 million round four weeks before the pandemic, it would have been far worse. But we went, we went into the storm uh, with, you know, enough capital to feel confident that we could continue to invest in growth uh, despite the core business, um, you, know, you know, stalling out, frankly, for much of 2020. Um, and we sort of went out and we went to the market and we said, hey, we are really good at data partnerships, data integrations, being a CRA, consumer permission flows, understanding how to talk to credit risk officers, like, what do you need help with? Like, what are, what are the types of challenges that you're working through here in the darkest days of the pandemics? And ultimately, that led us to accelerating parts of our uh, of our future roadmap. We've had uh, a few announcements in the space of our work with uh, bank transaction data and our partnership with SoFi, uh, where, um, you know, we are building uh, a series of uh, analytical solutions as a credit bureau to help not only immigrants Uh, get better access to financial services. But frankly, anyone who's new to credit or anyone who's thin, who doesn't have enough credit bureau information, but has experience with having a bank account and being able to use that information to help them put their best foot forward.
0: How has uh, the buy now pay later market played into your space? Because I know for I bring this up because there's been this big debate on whether buy now pay later should be a part of the credit score. Um, and there's pros and cons to it. The the pro would be someone that doesn't have much of a credit history. If they've been paying their, um, you know, bill to Klarna or their bill to a firm, whatever it might be, that that should show like, hey, they're a worthy credit risk. The, the con from my point of view is that if I currently have a, a balance with Klarna it doesn't get counted on my credit report although that's likely to change soon whereas if I'm carrying a balance on the American Express Planet platform um, that is counted on my credit score and it's an increased credit balance um, which dings your credit score sometimes. Um, but I, I, getting getting back to the, the gist of the question how has that changed um, your business and do you use buy now pay later at all to um, try to gauge consumers' credit scores that don't have a credit history or yet?
1: Um, so we don't uh, play all that much directly in the, in the buy now, pay later space here in the U.S. We have a few partners that, that are involved in that business. But when it comes to like our core data, the way that we would see that data is to the extent that it appears in someone's foreign credit bureau or to the extent that a buy now, pay later loan appears in someone's bank account, right? Like paying... Uh, paying for that. And so that's something we can catch through our open banking relationships, partnerships, integrations. Um, and uh, I think ultimately our, our view is that you know any information that a consumer can use to build a more complete credit profile is information that they should have the right and ability to bring into a credit application process, because that's just going to help more people have a more fair and inclusive experience here in the U.S. financial system.
0: On the on the credit front, there's there's been a bit of like rising delinquencies and whatnot. Now that we're we're starting to come out of the pandemic, but there's no stimulus checks anymore. People might have taken on some debt during the pandemic, um, and we've seen this start to rise just a little bit. What what are what changes have you guys been seeing, and how has that impacted your business?
1: Yeah, I think like the the most relevant um, example I can share is um, if you. I think one of the big questions around specifically the immigrant segment was like, well, what happens in a recession, right? What happens when, when people people leave? And what we have seen across the board, across all of our partners, is that the immigrant segment has outperformed all sorts of expectations, outperformed the U.S. population from a credit performance perspective through this pandemic, through this, you know, if you want to refer to it as a, as a recession, or at least a brief recession as well. Um, and I think that just speaks to the core principle that our business was founded on, which is that you know if you are a good borrower and have displayed a high uh, willingness to pay, that is intrinsic to who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're located in one country or another, or in New York City or San Francisco, like who you are as a borrower, your character travels with you around the world, travels with you. And so that is at, at, the, at its essence why uh, what we do, uh, Works and why credit risk officers believe uh, in it because you as a human being uh, and your character is not changing as you move from one country to another. And we've seen that play out in the pandemic.
0: Speaking of like customers and you know growth and everything, once someone does start to build a credit history or that they've like you've helped them enough in the US that they're able to get cards and stuff here, how do you think about customer retention in that case?
1: Uh, I think we've done our jobs. Um, and we've helped somebody enter the main like the US financial system and start their journey of building US credit and that is an amazing wow experience that we've created for for somebody that otherwise would just get stuck in this like spiraling catch22 that I'm sure you and your listeners have, have talked extensively about of how hard it is to build credit. Um, once someone has an established US credit file, um, the opportunities for us to continue to engage with that customer involve, you know, having them tell their friends, their peers, their diaspora uh, about how this solution now exists, uh, as well as to the extent that individual chooses to then move back to where they're from or uh, move to a different country. We can also support them. This is on our roadmap for this year. We'll have some more announcements here in the next uh, next few months of making uh, their information here in the United States with their consent available in other markets. So like if you wanted to move to Canada for whatever reason or to Singapore or the UK, those will be solvable uh, issues or, or problems here um, in the next few quarters.
0: Yeah, it, so you're kind of like, uh, if anyone's seen the Hinge commercials where it's the dating app meant to be like deleted or whatever, they don't want, you don't want them to delete you. But hey, if you have found a relationship or you have your credit history now, you've done your job essentially.
1: Right. And, and I think there's a lot of more nuance about what our consumer product does in terms of like providing content and education and helping people um, make that immigration journey a lot less scary, a lot less vulnerable, a lot less unknown uh, beyond just financial services. In addition to the reality that like, yeah, you may have gotten your first bank account or your first credit card, but there are a number of other products you're going to need over the course of your first few years that take several years of financial history to build uh, to be eligible for.
0: So as someone that knows the credit industry and the space more than the majority of people, you're probably if there was like a top 1% of people that knew a lot about credit, you would be a part of that group. Uh, And not only in the US, but in many countries around the world. What do you think the future of credit is? Um, because there, there's been an argument in fintech and elsewhere, like, is the credit system broken? Is it not broken? Like what changes do we need to make? And, you know, you know, more than anyone else that it's, it's a complicated answer.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll, I'll give a plug for our head of uh, risk and and analytics, Sarah Davies. If you call me within the 1% of global credit (laughs) knowledge, she's at the, she's the 1% of 1%. She, uh, (laughs) she created, uh, she created the vantage score, uh, which you know many consumers are aware of. Um, yeah. Built it from scratch, and so she's our head of risk analytics, and is helping build out all of our cash flow and uh, verification of income work, our credit passport work. Um, but I, I think, like uh, in terms of where the space is going, like my view is, credit bureaus are uh, are not going away. Like they are absolutely foundational and critical to the. Creation and sustainability of a safe and sound financial system like they are critical to that and I think the moats around those businesses of being furnished by thousands or tens of thousands of financial institutions are just like really hard to break through for an incumbent Sorry, for for a new entrant, Uh, but I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that's going to play out in the next few years. Um, dare, I, dare I drop the terms Web3 or DeFi or, or mm-hmm. crypto lending, um, I think a lot of, and we saw an announcement uh, the last couple of days, I think a lot of this you know off-chain credit bureau information, not only here in the US, but all around the world, will start to make its way on-chain. And like I, I do believe in, in, in the potential for uh, more uh, you know, unsecured uh, consumer lending to take place. And I believe that, that for that to occur... There has to be both a source of truth about what someone's past experience has been as a borrower, so I do think the credit bureaus continue to play a key role in that. And there has to be recourse back into the real world, and so I think furnishing from on chain back off chain is going to be a part of this. And you know, it's still very much in the early early days, um, but I think to the extent any, any listeners are, are working on those types of problems and are interested in tapping into you know one point five billion credit records, which is what we can access around the world, more credit bureau data than any company in the world, all in a single standardized format. That's a problem we'd love to partner and work on.
0: What are you guys thinking about internally about Web3 and crypto since you've brought up the buzzwords?
1: <laughs> I, could, I couldn't resist. Uh, I mean, that, that, that is what we're thinking about. I mean, like everything we've seen in the world to date has been entirely collateralized. Um, and that is not financial inclusion. That is like speculate that's fueling speculation with all due respect to those, those players. I think where I, but I'm not saying it's not, that's, that's a great, that's a good start, but ultimately like we want to see that move towards a world of being able to power unsecured, uncollateralized lending. And for that, you need to be able to have a source of truth around someone's ability and willingness to pay as well as a mechanism to ensure that, you know, the system isn't abused. There has to be recourse back.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned that there's going to be more announcements in 2022 for you guys. Give us a little like teaser of what customers should be on the look for and how you guys think about uh, growth in the next coming months and years.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're making, a, obviously, a, a big push into accelerating the credit passport. Uh, so our core flagship product, uh, adding more countries into that, launching uh, with some of the additional major card issuers and uh, other verticals. We had an announcement in the auto space uh, a few months back. Um, so that's gonna, that's a big area of investment for us. We're also taking that product uh, internationally. So serving migrant corridors not only bound for the U.S., but people you know moving from, uh, let's say, Nigeria to the U.K., or India to Singapore, or China to Hong Kong. There's all these corridors around the world where this problem does exist, and that's an opportunity for us to help more people enter enter the financial system. And then fi- finally, it's, it's what we're doing in, in the world of, of, of bank data, um, that's a huge area of investment. We see a, a really big opportunity there uh, to support more people, not only immigrants, with better access to financial services. We think we're, we're well positioned. Like we've, we've cut our teeth on credit bureau data the last five, six years. And um, you know, we're partnering up with some, some really, really thoughtful and innovative players to, uh, to really help uh, bring, bring forward uh, the ability for consumers to put their best foot forward
0: awesome and if someone wants to find out more about you guys or get in touch with you what's the best way for them to do that
1: just email me Misha at novacredit or go to our website novacreditcom um, and happy to help happy to, to route you to whoever the right folks are on, on our team um, it's uh, you know it's a small it's, I think it's still a pretty small ecosystem but uh, we'll see.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's a small ecosystem, but a growing ecosystem. We'll leave it at sure. that. Um, and I know you guys have a bunch of roles that are, are open right now. Um, I think one or two of them might be on our job board, Co. Click on the jobs on the side. Um, lots of cool roles at Nova Credit and elsewhere. Otherwise, I will see you guys next time. And Misha, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to catch up.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for everyone for tuning in.